Well, hello everyone. This is Gigi Rogers of the Creative Hive, powered by AIGA Hampton Roads. Welcome to this new episode where we sit down with creators from all walks of life to tease out some of their habits, tips, tricks, favorite books, and so on so that you may apply and test them out in your own creative work. In this episode, I'm talking with Mark Meltz. He's a local fine arts artist, illustrator, commercial artist, and teacher at Tightwater Community College and Old Dominion University. In this power pack chat, we discuss the pros and cons of putting time limits on your work, the attributes of what makes a good teacher, a common mistake people make when creating art, the trap of not venturing out of your artistic comfort zone, and a lot more. But before we do, we'd like to take a moment and give a big thanks to Reed & Associates for sponsoring this episode. Like Reed & Associates' mantra, AIGA believes that you should do what you love and love what you do. Reed & Associates is a marketing agency that specializes in branding, creative services, social media, media planning, and media buying. Team Teal, which is their nickname, has been working with local and national clients creating mixed media campaigns that has gone beyond their clientele's expectations. If you're looking for a marketing agency to help kickstart your business into gear, Reed & Associates is located in the Freemason District in Norfolk, Virginia on 253 West Butte Street. Now, please enjoy this episode of The Creative Hive powered by AIGA Hampton Roads with the artist, Mark Miltz. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing great, Gigi. It's lovely to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm really excited to jump into just a conversation with you. And so let's go ahead and first start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I'm an artist who has a fine art degree from a long time ago at Old Dominion University, but basically I've been making my living as the commercial artist uh, since about 81. Um, I do illustration and, and commercial illustration and that sort of stuff. So that's really make, where I make my living. Um, but uh, I have continued my, my fine art practice pretty much, well, it, uh, continually, and I do a lot of uh, a lot of exhibitions and shows. I paint and I draw weekly. Uh -huh. um, so that's sort of like my second job, or one of the second jobs. Uh, <laughs> it's not really where I make my money, but in fact, that kind of gives me a lot of freedom because that does allow me to paint what I want to paint. I'm not really painting to sell. I'm not really painting for any particular marketplace. Mm. So that is, uh, and and really, frankly, since I end up doing all of my all the work that I do that's commercial, I'm basically doing what somebody else wants me to do. I'm really reluctant to do that on my own time. So I basically do my own work and uh, and don't really think much about sales, which unfortunately is reflected in the sales. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's still it's a fascinating point that you're not painting to sell. So what do you usually have a tendency to paint when, I guess, on your own time then? Well, I've always been been fascinated by painting the figure, and and so I've, I've I mean ever since college, um, so that really is the focus. Uh, for a long time, I was living in Colorado, and I you know there was a lot of lovely landscape in Colorado, but because mm -hmm. I was working all the time during the day, that mm -hmm. was basically I was forced to paint at night, and there is no competing with landscape painters who don't work during the day because that's their. <laughs> so I pretty much, uh, when I started painting seriously, which is, which was, uh, you know, sometime in the, I don't know, 93, 94, somewhere in that range. Um, I 
I pretty much decided to just go ahead and focus on figurative work because there was no competing against the landscape people. Uh-huh. And I and I can do figurative work at night uh, in my studio. So that really has been the focus. Uh, a lot of painting and drawing from life, mostly drawing from life. Um, the large paintings that I do these days actually are not from life, uh, mm-hmm. although they are my models and I have shot the photos that I use for reference. But in most cases, I have drawn these people many, many, many times. So I have a kind of an internal understanding uh, of uh, what that photo is telling me, if you will. Oh. It's, it's more than simply copying the photo. Mm-hmm. It's actually about, I'm guessing, that bringing out that emotion or even the story that's going on of just that snippet of time. Yeah, sometimes. And frankly, when I'm doing a painting, uh, you know, the, the life drawing is great fun and it's an immediacy to that. Um, and so in that case, you're pretty much responding to what's in front of you as fast as possible. So those drawings are 20 minutes or 40 minutes long and it's pretty intense. Mm. So there is not a lot, a whole lot of story involved in that. But a lot of times you do kind of want to get that um, uh, the sense of the sense of the gesture, the sense of what that pose feels like. You do want to sort of nail those elements. Um, so that's fascinating to me. But when I'm when I'm doing a studio painting and I'm going to be uh, working at night and so forth, uh, usually a lot of content or or other issues sort of work their way into the piece. So whatever happens mm. to be inspiring me at this point, uh, the pieces in, I've, I've been told frequently by my friends that I really think way too much about the paintings that I'm putting together because mm. they're. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that that, that gets added on uh, or that is suggested by the pose or mm-hmm. that is suggested by the lighting uh, that I'll end up incorporating in the painting. And so I do sort of do a bit of storytelling and probably perhaps too much sometimes at the uh, I think maybe sometimes at the expense of making a clear visual statement. Mm-hmm. I actually know that's a really great point and something that I've noticed within my work as well. Even when I was taking your class at the community college, which was amazing. Um, yeah, was, you were one of the good ones. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed that um, whenever you have those time restraints, I, actually, I think this goes across the board, whether you're an entrepreneur, artist, such a creative in general, when you have such a short period of time to actually create the image and create the story, you have a tendency to more get to the point or the essence of what you're trying to pull off versus if you have a longer period of time, say like a whole week to actually uh, create the image or whatever, express yourself in whichever way you want to. You, like you said, you add more elements in and you think about it a lot more, which can, like you say, be at the expense of the actual painting or you just even being able to move on and be happy, I guess, to the next project. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it does work both ways. Um, you know, because really some of some of my, some of the pieces that I really feel more strongly about are pieces that have sort of oozed out of that and do have that additional content. But once again, you know, it's, it's a very different thing from the simple pleasure of like a plein air painting, which is essentially, you know, I'm outside and this is the painting of that. And it's, it's it has an immediacy uh, where the studio work doesn't usually have that kind of immediacy. So one of the tricks of studio work is is desperately attempting to maintain the freshness, and and that that really is kind of paramount to me. I really don't ever want my paint to get so tight uh, that it that it loses the vitality that it had in the beginning. So that really is one of the big challenges to to add these additional layers of meaning, add these additional layers of content, but not lose the freshness of the original image or the freshness of that original inspiration that, that, that image brought to you. Do you put a timeline? If you, if you are in the studio and you're doing 
a long a longer piece or giving yourself a longer time to do a piece do you put a, a, a time limit saying it's like all right you have two days to finish this and then you have to go to the next <laughs> oh, one. Oh, you're so funny <laughs> <laughs> because perfection because I, I know all artists deal with like it's not perfect it's it still needs more work i know i can just change this and you're constantly nitpicking at your work just ad nauseum. And so I always just wonder if it would just be better, you know, for everybody just like, all right, it's good enough so that I can actually go out and I can, I like it and I love it and I can go on to the next piece and move on with my life. You know, I actually do reach that stage, but, but uh, I long ago decided I, I did once count the hours for, I knew I was doing a large and, 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 uh, and complicated piece. And, and at one time I did count the hours and how much I spent on model fees and all of that stuff. Mm. And you know, I'm never going to do that again <laughs> because it, because it, uh, it's kind of horrifying. Uh, and if you ever were to sell the piece, you're never going to get the money back out of it that, that you put into it, but that's really not why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. So I've stopped doing that frequently. I mean, I probably put a, uh, you know, on a, on a good year, maybe three major paintings, two or three major paintings and, uh, and, and 12, um, uh, you know, some, uh, life studies from the drawing group in paint and then and another couple of hundred drawings. Um, you know, that's, that's my standard good year. Um, because once again, I, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. So the nice thing about that is I, I, I do give myself tiny little deadlines. Like, yeah, today I'm working on this freaking hand because I've got three hours after work. Maybe that's it you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> before I need to crash and go to work again. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, but, uh, but as the painting comes to fruition, and since I just finished one, I'm feeling this fairly acutely. Um, when they come to fruition, and I reach that stage where there's, you know, there's always stuff I might come back and look at, but I, I really do reach a stage of, oh, okay, I'm satisfied, and at that point I'll sign it, and I really do stop thinking about it. I, in most cases, I, su I suppose if I if I've done a portrait and they're not happy, I might come back and. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and of course. Tweak it, but... <laughs> yeah, make the client happy and all that. But that's still yeah, a lot of work. I don't, I don't do many of those either. <laughs> yeah, but that's still a lot, a large body of work that you were just talking about right there. And I love the fact that you were even saying, it's like, yeah, I got three hours of work, so let me go ahead and knock out a hand before, you know, I go back to work or go do whatever have you uh, and whatnot. That's, so that actually makes me wonder, so do you have a daily practice? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And man, am I embarrassed by my answer? The truth is, no, I really do not have a daily practice. I have a weekly practice. Um, oh. uh, my week really, I mean, on a daily standpoint, you know, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going to my job, I'm sitting in front of a computer for eight hours, or I'm teaching and then going to work, sit in front of a computer for several hours. So, you know, by the end of that, I'm frequently pretty fried. So about two or three nights a week, I, I try to get in a few hours, but um, but Tuesday is my night. Uh, Tuesday is the night that is, is dedicated to doing art. And, um, and so that's the Norfolk Drawing Group, which I keep trying to get you to come to. One of these days, and, I'm um, going to make it. I swear I am going to make it because I actually... Yeah, I, I promises, know, promises. I know. <laughs> I know I've recently, um, I've been really interested in regards and in trying to up... Well, okay. 
ever since I left your class, I remember the last, I think it was the last day of class, you told me, like, you're getting so much better, which my drawing had improved so much just in one semester of your class and learning your techniques and such. You told me, don't stop drawing. And what did I do? I stopped drawing and everything atrophied. Like, I forgot everything. And uh, <laughs> lately, I really wanted wanting to improve my artwork and especially learning more about the figure uh, so I can do a little bit more cartoon kind of anime work for some ideas that I have. And so right. that's kind of coming in like at a perfect timing saying like, girl, you know what it's 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 a weekly. You guys meet weekly. Uh, uh, go ahead and tell Tuesday, me. Tuesday nights. We're meeting at the, we're meeting at Norfolk State this day. So they, they have been a really wonderful venue for us. We have we have traveled all over the area uh, with various venues, but we've been there for a, a number of years now. Um, so it's on campus. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, parking is generally pretty good. And if you could put up with the sound of the tubas periodically uh, from the band practicing, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's excellent. And the group is incredibly healthy. We we average, you know, between 15 and 20 people a night um uh, drawing so um wow. and it's it has been going on for um really a long time a, a minimum of uh i don't know uh, at least a decade a little bit longer than that that wow. i've been going wow so yeah you should you should pop out there but that really is where i keep my keep my um self honed you know i mean um, mm -hmm. i go out and I'm, I'm doing basically uh you know i guess 12 gestures and uh and three drawings four times um, well, three times a month and one, one very fast painting <laughs> three times, well, once a month. So it's, and it's, it's great fun. But uh, even, and it's also an excellent opportunity to run into other artists yes. and also into students and into, you know, because we, we, everybody comes. So we've got, we've got rank beginners and uh, retired people and mm -hmm. professionals, and it's just such a wonderful venue and it's so dirt cheap. I mean, yes, seriously, seven bucks a session. It's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> let, well, let me ask you this, because you are, I think you're a fantastic teacher. Um, one, uh, what, do you, what are some traits that you think make a good teacher? And second, is there a teacher at the figure drawing place or do, or at the figure drawing class or do you just go? No, we just go. There's no instruction. Um, and okay. now, and of course, it, you really do get instruction from the best teachers imaginable, which is you walk around and see what other people are doing. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not necessarily watching them, but you're finding out, wow, there's a completely different approach. Oh, look, there's another completely different approach. So, um, yeah, I mean, but really, there is no substitute for doing the work. And mm -hmm. yeah, somebody could come, could come around and, and, you know, and occasionally some, someone will ask me or someone asks someone else, uh, you know, uh, specifics. And most of us are happy to share that, even though I suspect it irritates everyone around if we're, <laughs> if we're telling them stuff. Uh -huh. But, uh, but yeah, there is no formal instruction at that, that group at all. Okay, so would you say that someone needs a little bit prior experience, like at least know how to draw the circle, I mean, the circle, the circles for the head and then the line for the spine and I guess some of those? I don't, quick? I, you know, it, yes, I would say it's useful, but I don't think it's necessary. Okay. Um, the, because, I mean, and once again, you know, they're, they're free to ask somebody mm -hmm. for a little bit of help or just hang back and watch how some of us approach gestures, for example, mm -hmm. because that will really show you kind of, hey, that's a very novel way of getting the information down that I hadn't really thought about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, admittedly, taking my class would be a great precursor but oh, for sure. but i'm not teaching that class anymore so too bad oh well i would say it, it would actually be interesting to, for the very first class 
to actually just go and literally just watch all the painters and the drawer and sketch artists and everybody, cause like you said, everybody's working in various mediums, just see how they start and how they do things. And then yeah. that will give me a yeah. really you know good what, idea. What typically happens is people will, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be there and then, you know, and, and the gestures are on in their drawing, but then you walk around in between drawings and then you start seeing the various things that people are doing. And then at that point you might say, you know, do you mind if I sit behind you and kind of watch what, what you do here? And yeah. a lot of people do that. Oh, wow. They'll sit behind, you know, a lot of people sit behind somebody else and just kind of just to get an idea how they approach it. That's and great. generally I, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, know? I think that's great, especially to. for people who are like me, like starting from zero all over again. And it's going to make me feel a lot less intimidated, even though I know when I actually do start drawing, it's still going to look like crap. But still, I'm going to have at least. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Plan. This is the wrong attitude. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's adjust this. I'm, I'm keeping the expectation so low that I can just walk over that bar. So <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, then. Very good. And that gets a. Uh, uh, will be surprise yourself yeah that, that yeah. would be great that would be nice but again you, know, you never know but still just coming up with that plan I, i'm always like that person who likes to have somewhat of an inkling of a plan before actually jump into it and because again you're also going to be dealing um i guess other people who want to come into the class and join in they might have that comparison syndrome a little bit oh my everybody does yeah. um you know yeah <laughs> but I could, yeah, but they might get so like comparative that they just don't do it at all. So I don't know, maybe again, I'm just thinking of like a low barrier of entry, just go in, watch people do their thing slowly, you go on YouTube, I call it YouTube University, watch the yeah. videos, practice, and then go in next class, be like, okay, I know what I need to do. Well, this sort of dovetails into another question that you alluded to uh, po uh, possibly asking, which is, which is one of the mistakes that people do that I feel like people make. And one of the mistakes they make... Mm -hmm. In my opinion, is um, we spend too much time working from photographs, mm. uh, and so if you are in YouTube University and you're and you're drawing some nice figure drawings from photographs, you're still copying from a flat image that the decision has already been made for you. The translation from 3D to 2D has already been made, mm. and that is a very different thing. So you can practice that all day long, and when you stand in front of a live model, it is not going to work the same way. It's going to feel very different. Uh -huh. So that really is, and that really um, is kind of what I was talking about when, since I have drawn the various people that I paint, even though I'm working from a photo, I have drawn them. I know exactly what their bodies are doing. I have a really solid sense for, for, for how those, those uh, elements fit into space. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can get that from looking at photos, from looking at photos or looking at patterns of light and dark on a flat surface. It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. How do you go about um, approaching something live, I guess, uh, versus a photo or something you see on a computer, Pinterest, whatever? Is there a different approach that you, uh, I guess, or even how would you train someone who's a beginner to approach uh, drawing someone live? Um, it really does come down to observation, but it also comes down to doing a couple of basic things, which are, which are quite useful. You know, at, at some stages, if you, if you're desperate for accuracy, you are going to have to learn to measure and there are specific ways to go about doing that. Mm. Um, uh, so, uh, so that's handy. Um, site size drawing is an extremely useful, um, 
tool, if you will, uh, especially if you can get close enough to the model so your site size drawing isn't the size of a postage stamp. Um, <laughs> but uh, and that's and that, of course, is a situation where the size of the thing you're staring at is the same size as what you're drawing right next to it on the canvas, so that you can look from the canvas or your paper directly over to your model, look back and forth, and see how they relate at the same angle, at the same size, at the same height. That's very, very useful. Another thing that's really useful is squint, 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 especially for <laughs> painters. Uh -huh. And the reason you squint is because that will cut out the extraneous details and suddenly you will see the patterns of light and dark rather than um, seeing within them, uh, if you will. And, and when it becomes an abstract pattern of lights and darks, then it's much easier to figure out how big is this piece of dark versus that piece of light mm. and what's their orientation to each other rather than, I don't know the anatomy of that finger. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, that's, that's because anatomy is hard but if you really do trust yourself to draw those patterns of light and shadow that you see uh you will be able to nail your proportions relatively easily so there are a couple of tricks that you can do along those lines uh but one of the things i really want people to do when they come and draw uh from life for the for, for the first time is play with those gestures and uh, because the gestures are a very strange thing they are not yeah, and different people treat them differently. Animators are, are, are masters at this, but they treat it very differently than I do. For me, a gesture wants to feel like the pose. It doesn't even need to look like the pose. It almost doesn't even need to look human, but it needs to look, it needs to feel thrust. It needs to feel the twist. Mm. It needs to feel the weight. It needs to feel like the pose. Mm -hmm. And that is a, and that's a very expressive and, and fun way to, to, kind of loosen up and get and get rolling early on um so you know i i mean i do some basic stuff like so all right what's the longest line of the figure then where are the shoulders what angle are they what are the hips where mm. what angle are they line across them and just kind of and then just let yourself flow through it and that can be a very fun but challenging thing and you will do some awful drawings but you will still learn an awful lot about how the pose looks feels and mm -hmm. when you know how the pose feels it's much easier to actually draw it more precisely later wow does that make sense or no, that that makes, no 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 that makes 100 percent like sense and i think that you just dropped like three or four great nuggets of knowledge of like drawing knowledge right there excuse me <laughs> you know what it you're such a great teacher. I really think that you're phenomenal at what you do. What are some traits that you think that make a good teacher, a good art teacher at that, or art educator? That's it. Well, geez, engagement. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, sadly, there have been a lot of art instructors who are just not really engaged with their students, and they're just kind of taking the salary. I just really like, I, I like people, mm. and I like and one of the reasons I actually have never taught at the lower levels is because I'm not willing to teach in a situation where I can't hurt someone's feelings. It's not like I want to do that, but I do want to tell the truth. Thank you know, you I want to, I, I want to, I want to just lay it out there and it's not, and it's never punitive in any sense. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I do want to be able to tell the truth and I, and I'm perfectly willing to share anything I know how to do. And I'll be happy to tell you when I don't know how to do something. Mm -hmm. Which but I'm in sure most cases, rare. I know a little bit more than my students do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a On rare <laughs> period or time. Yeah. I got to tell you what's fun though. Like I'm right, currently I'm teaching uh, computer graphics um, rather than drawing or painting. Mm -hmm. And that's fun because Every time I teach that class, and I have taught it for for uh, decades, 
or a decade, let me put it that way. Um, every semester, some student shows me something I don't know. Mm. And I celebrate that in class. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey. And, then, and when I'm using it later, um, uh-huh. I'm going to tell those students, hey, this is something another student told me. And every semester I find something new. Of course, part of that has to do with Adobe changing the software on a continuing basis. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I think one of the things that makes a good, a good instructor is the fact that you're always learning from your students as well. Yeah. It's always a two-way street. The fact that your students are invigorating you and and uh, having an effect on your art as well, and just you just get so excited, man! I'm hearing it in your voice that you love. Oh, you this. do. I, I mean, and, yeah, and when amazing. and when a student does something, you just walk in and go, "Whoa, whoa, that's good." Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you know, what did you do and, here? <laughs> and since they haven't heard that eighty five times. <laughs> it means something, uh-huh. you know. They haven't gotten a trophy for walking in the room, true. But they've gotten a little bit of. That's really nice. I really got this from uh, um, one of my instructors at ODU was 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 wonderful about this because he he was. <laughs> this is Charles Sibley, and Charles Sibley was the stingiest person on earth in terms of compliments. I think the best compliment I ever got from him was a withering. Oh, that's a. Uh, pretty and you could just tell he's going <laughs> you're, you're being you're being facile and you're being and you're doing this nice cute rendering but you're not looking at the structure and that message came across so clearly oh. um I, I loved him he was he was he was a wonderful teacher and he was one of those teachers who really was kind of uh he was engaged mm-hmm. um, he was a great guy <laughs> Do you think that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Oh, carry on. That was another stupid story. Carry on. No, no, no. I want to get the end of the story. Go. No, 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 no. I don't want to. Except for except there was one wonderful time when I went to see a, a show of his paintings. There was this really meticulously painted cat in a painting, and I just walked up, and I had to say, Charles, that cat is so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it was because it, it was really sweet and not very structural, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, tiny yeah. bit of revenge." Um, <laughs> and uh, you should have seen the, the appropriately withering glance he gave me. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, was like, oh, that's what I sound like. Okay, whatever, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> so let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Do you think um, a lot of students? Uh, have maybe become more sensitive when it comes to any type of critique of their work? Usually not. You know, I have heard this um, from a lot of instructors. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not really noticed this in my classes. I really haven't. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just because of the way I run mine or if I've just been freaking lucky. Um, But uh, no, I, I really, I really haven't noticed that. Okay, so that's good. So that means that's all your students just open to the feedback and open to the change and open to growing. Well, I, and I, I think a lot of that does come down to the fact that I'm not I'm not talking down to them and I'm not and I'm not talking up to them and I'm not kowtowing to them and and I don't expect them to kowtow to me. I think it's a very it, it's it's I, I really do want to want to run a classroom where everybody's in a learning state. Mm-hmm. Or sharing state, and and my students seem to be perfectly happy to share the things that they know that I don't know, and and look look up in astonishment and say you didn't know that, which probably makes them feel good for the rest of the day. <laughs> good on them, because <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be using the tip they gave me for the rest of the semester and beyond. Nice. 
And speaking of sharing, what are your thoughts on social media and self-promotion? I'm terrible at it. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and man, is it important. It is so important. Um, uh, and yeah, I need, to, I need to be better at it. Frankly, it's almost a full-time job if you do it right. Yes, it uh, is. And my friends who do it right are amazing. But my gosh, you, you almost... Uh, th- th- that's that's the fourth job that I really just can't handle very well. Mm-hmm. The most I can manage to do is do a Facebook post and maybe I'll share it to a couple of groups and I should get off my butt and share it to Instagram. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's important. And particularly if you're, if you're freshly marketing yourself and particularly if you do, in fact, want to get sales or get hired, um, I, I would think that that's just absolutely critical. I just don't happen to have to do that at this point. On the other hand, I certainly look at a lot of stuff on social media, mm-hmm. so I'm so I'm I'm definitely getting uh, input and uh, and um, ideas and a little bit of that um, comparison envy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that oh my god, why do I even try? Yeah, that that definitely does happen. <laughs> well, one thing for you, especially uh, since you actually have your weekly practice, and especially at the drawing group is that if you get one of those, what was it, one of those little clips that you can attach your phone to and you actually just record, I would love to actually just watch you draw. Because you're... Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah what you actually that. post on Facebook whenever it does come into my feed and I see it, I'm just like, man, that looks amazing. I would love to see you go from a blank canvas to creating like this full life figure that's just, like that has so much <laughs> expression behind it. And you, all you got to do is just hook it up to... Uh, one of those little clamps, put your phone in, press record, and then just forget about it while you do your thing. That's, that's yeah, where would you put the clamp? You know, the drawing group is private. Um, <laughs> you can put the clamp on the easel. Huh? You can put the clamp on the easel itself. You can, okay. Now, yeah. I should talk to Doug about this. Clark does this all the time. Yeah. Admittedly, a lot of the stuff he's doing appropriately. Yeah, come on, that's really easy to record. <laughs> it's right there. That's an interesting idea. I can try that. And oh, uh, particularly because yeah. I just wonder how how distracting I'm going to be. My model was uh, from last Tuesday was totally giving me grief, just going, "Man, you were dancing all over the place. What are you doing?" I was <laughs> laughing my ass off at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just go. I probably say, just go ahead and give that a try because I think that would work out perfectly for you because it's bendable. You can bend it any which way that you want to, so that yeah, a time lapse of you just creating this piece of art. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I'll look into this. Um, really, I mean, I would think it would have to be kind of a little bit far away here. I mean, because I'm working on a 18 by 24. This is nothing small. Um, so it's a pretty big piece of canvas. So if I was clipping it in on an easel, it would have to be pretty far back to get anything. Anyway, I'll, I'll look into it, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And if you have any ideas, send send me schematic diagrams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you my stick figures that I can't draw straight anymore. Sure, no problem. No, no problem. I, I, I want to know. I want I want the schematic diagram for, for holding the phone up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need. Give me the engineering. Oh, man. So, wait, I'm actually surprised that you even um, were talking about the whole comparison game. Um, you still you still get sucked into that? Because, again, I feel like you're a really master of your craft. Um, how have, how have you gotten, uh, or how have you dealt with even just dealing or, or not getting sucked into the comparison pit as I should call it? Yeah. I like, I like that, that term, um, by staying off social media. No. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know some people don't think that can be done. No, I mean, um, 
Yeah, it's it, it's intimidating. I'm, I went to see a portrait demonstration from uh, from Carrie Dunn um, last night, I think, and and yeah, that stuff's intimidating to see. But on the other hand, he's not doing the same work that I do anyway. Yeah. Everybody has their own thing, and um, and you know, there's stuff to learn. But really, I just I just can't really focus on that. If you if you if that's what you're focused on, you're focused on the wrong stuff. It's not Agreed. it's not how does your stuff compare? It's just what do I want to do? What's meaningful to me? And and I'm not going to say what makes me happy, but what makes me satisfied. Because mm. like for me, mm. like you know, this is it was embarrassing to admit. Painting is not particularly fun for me. <laughs> Drawing really? is what? fun. Okay, but painting is work. Mm. But it's very, very satisfying work mm-hmm. when it comes out the way that I want it to. And, and I'm also, and one of the ways to keep it fresh is I'm constantly doing weird stuff that I haven't done before. Mm. Just and and then tr- finding some way to make it work. I'm looking at a piece right now that has a bunch of stamped images and metallic uh, stuff on the background. I've done, you know, I've been doing some, some which is probably an influence of Wiley, uh, uh, among other things. So a lot of patterned backgrounds that I've seen on social media and 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 uh, in various places. And I've kind of taken my own rather dramatically different take on that thing. And, and I'm playing with it. And it's just really fun. <laughs> wow. No, that's cool. So, so I, I love the fact that you're actually taking inspiration from. Uh, different pieces or different genres in general. I was just talking to somebody else about that, uh, I believe yesterday. So whether, and uh, just putting yourself out of your comfort zone is actually a good thing and actually can make you very stronger within your craft. So if you're an artist- Oh, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, that is is really one of the big mistakes that intermediate artists really do fall into uh, Mm. uh, rapidly. They get good at doing something. And man, it's so comfortable to do what you're good at. And I fall into this trap as well. I go to drawing club group and uh, I have a, I have two or three different mediums that I'll draw in depending on how I'm feeling that night. But but I do often find myself falling back into the comfort zone of doing it the way that I do it. So it's it's a struggle to keep yourself from doing that. And and the painting is where I can is where I really am forced to uh, to move away from that particular mode. Um, but yeah, doing it the way that you know how to do it is is death too because you've stopped looking. Oh, you know you've you've really stopped paying attention to what you're doing. You're doing you're doing what you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I say about drawing fairly frequently, and I know if I did it in your class, is that uh, your your fingers are really clever, and your fingers know how they draw an eye. And if you've drawn an eye really well for a while, well, that's how your fingers want to draw that eye, whether it looks that way or not. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you really do have to do to break yourself from that habit um, is to draw with your arm, draw with your whole body, draw bigger, draw with bulkier materials, draw with different materials, do something that won't let you and won't let your wrist draw by rote. force yourself. Because when you're moving with your whole arm and you're looking at what you're doing, um, it forces you to, to treat it rather differently than the cleverness of your wrist and your fingertips. Wow, that's really powerful right there. You know, I was it, it, of course it's also a, a gosh, large can people would love me saying that because you know, but I really do encourage people to try, especially if you draw small with your wrist a lot, mm-hmm. you know, tiny little sketchbook or something. 
go big and find out what it's like. It's a different experience. And you may find that it's an experience that frees you so that when you get back down to the small scale again, your your wrist is less in control. I was talking with, I was talking with Doug Clark yesterday and he was saying it's like, yeah, get you know, for people to get themselves out of their comfort zone, why not draw with a banana peel or like a piece of lettuce? Yeah. I was like, what? Was it's like, true. One of the things we used to do at drawing group is we, we you know you get a little bit bored. So uh, uh, a friend of mine, um, one of our NASA guys uh, who's who's now in, in Alabama, but uh, we always seem to have at least one or two people from NASA in the drawing group. But anyway. Wow. Yeah, he and I would challenge each other. So uh, he brought in a long stick, and so I had to draw all day with my stuff taped to the end of a long stick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really interesting challenge. Um, How did you know, it turn really... out? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. But you know, that kind of isn't the point because uh, you really are sort of responding. It's like a blind contour drawing. They're they're horrible things to do in a way but they really do force you to look at what's in front of you and because you're not allowed to look at at what you're drawing Mm -hmm. and you will start seeing the nuances that you don't see um normally it's it's they're all really good exercises which i do not do enough of i really should i think for gestures i'm going to do blind contours next week thanks very helpful suggestion on your part (laughs) (laughs) Whatever I can do, whatever I do to inspire. I love it. I I have a big question for you that just came to mind. How would, or how do you go about drawing something from your head onto paper or into the canvas? And one, does it actually come out the way that you see it in your head? Or do you say this is going to be as good as it's going to get? And move on. Well, I, I have to say, I I rarely draw out of my head. I'm one okay. of the people who can, like, I would not be a good storyboard artist at all. I put observation almost all the time. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a it's an element of shame. On <laughs> um, I don't think so. so I mean, I will occasionally do something, um, and and that usually feels uh, like a serious struggle. For example, I've got a figure drawing that I want to convert into a painting. So, in fact, I have one right now. I'm kind of thinking about that. So I'm thinking, all right, so I'm going to invent an environment, and I'm going to invent this, and I'm going to invent that. And uh, that's it's tricky. But what is kind of interesting is uh, the one time I did that recently, uh, <laughs> I ended up doing a little ballroom scene behind this behind the figure uh, with people in masks and, and formal gowns and stuff, except mm. it's really super loose and it's my favorite part of the painting. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's kind of an awesome little piece of a painting, uh, that, that doesn't have the labored and controlled element of the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. um, I kind of wish I could do that more. Um, A.B. Um, Jackson used to, he did a series of, of, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he was another instructor at ODU. I, I was not lucky enough to have him then, but I was working at Ghent Galleries, and he was one of our artists over there. But his work is big splashes of color where these figures just kind of emerge, and they were very much out of his head, and they were powerful and very, very cool. So I've often thought that, geez, that would be, once again, that's probably a good thing that I should be trying and in fact i do try that now that you mention it um the last couple of paintings um i i did a series of i I think for my last painting i did about seven seven tiny little sketches on paper out of my head various backgrounds various background approaches really really loose paint and they were really really fun um and and you know oddly enough that kind of painting was fun 
It was very immediate. They were mm-hmm. done. You know, I, I did two or three of them in the night. And uh, and those were really fun. I have, okay. Yeah. I, I, I just have a challenge for you just right off the okay. bat. And it's something that I think it's, it's a little bit in your strength and a little bit in your weakness at the same time, but I think you'll have fun with it. So I heard this art teacher years ago saying that she did this, she gave this challenge to her students. Go to a coffee shop or you know, be on the bus, whatever, but probably a coffee shop would be better and look or draw the person's shoes, but then without looking up at their face, draw what you think their face looks like off of the shoes that they're wearing. What? Yeah. So you're looking at <laughs> you somebody's know, we're, we're not going to discuss your shoe fetish here. Because um, <laughs> <Yay. laughs> I know all about that. But um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't get it. Draw their face in the shoes? No, no, no. So you draw... Or the face that you think belongs to those shoes. Yeah, the face that you think belongs to those shoes. Huh. An, an interesting... Yeah, that would be very, very strange. <laughs> that would be very weird. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll just go and draw... I'll draw Walt now, and then I would know what his face looks like. <laughs> uh, but again, I hang out with Walt in a, in a coffee shop. He will be drawing everybody. Body, but um uh-huh. that's that's one of those comparison things. I can't do that. I mean, I'll I'll go and, and draw with Walt, but he'll draw fifteen people. It will look like exactly those people. I will draw two, and they'll be pretty. pretty they'll be very pretty, <laughs> <laughs> but it probably won't look like the person at all. So <laughs> it's just one of those little fun games. That I think I think that would actually be quite of kind of interesting to do. It's like look at the shoes and. A uh, no and guess on and what who is attached to those shoes? Yeah, exactly, and mm. and it gives you that immediacy because you don't know how long they're going to be at the coffee shop. They could be there for five minutes, or they could be there for fifty. So you don't know. So you, you go fast. So I guess I guess you can draw after you draw the shoes. You can start drawing the face even after they've left. Well, you could do it even. You could, but I would you? actually want to look up and see, like, was I even close? And be like, oh, God, I wasn't even close. <laughs> 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 what does that say about me? <laughs> Not a damn thing. You weren't, you weren't looking True. at them. It shouldn't True. be close. <laughs> I don't know. Do they look like demons? That might say something about you. Ooh, Who knows? There you go. <laughs> Okay. This These one. are awesome pumps. This one looks like Glenn Close. I just know she does. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. <laughs> so tell me, what books, podcasts, or videos um, have helped you become a better painter or that you would suggest to others? Whatever. I, I, I do have a I do have a couple of suggestions. In fact, when I you know I I've got them I pulled them out here. Uh, there are a couple of that were hugely useful for me when I started painting and. Um, getting serious about painting again in about 1992 or so, 90 or 92. Um, I, you know, during, during the 70s, we didn't get a great deal of instruction uh, in painting because no one wanted to interfere with our creative spirits. Mm. Uh, so I pretty much felt like I had to learn all that stuff on my own. And um, uh, the, the books, the two books that I really used that were very, very um, useful to me were um, a book on uh, David LaFell's work, uh, which is called Oil Painting Secrets from a Master. It's by a woman named Linda Kutura, who is one of his students. But uh, but the, the way that he talked about paint, the way the, 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 the nomenclature, the, the way that he approached it from a thoughtful standpoint, 
um, really soaked into me. And mm-hmm. I still have some paintings that I did during that phase. And I'm looking at them fairly frequently and going, I really think I'm going backwards mm. <laughs> from, from what I was doing at that point because I was using a lot more paint. So that was an excellent book. Mm-hmm. And then there's another really good book from a guy named Greg Kreutz uh, called Problem Solving for Oil Painting Painters. And um, <laughs> the subtitle says it all, recognizing what's gone wrong and how to make it right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure he was a uh, he, he was a LaFell uh, student as well. So, you know, in a way, the, the two approaches are complementary. Uh, but his really is all about, hey, this is what's going wrong. That's what's wrong. And here's here's how you can fix it. And because you understand now conceptually why it's not working. Ah. So that was a really useful paint book. And then probably the best overall book on painting I've ever read is probably Alla Prima, which is by Richard Schmidt. Uh, it's uh, subtitled Everything I Know About Painting, and he does not hold back. Um, he's almost entirely painting from life all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so in a way, it doesn't, there, there are some things that it doesn't apply to, and he, of course, acknowledges that. Um, but he, he is telling a lot of the same things that you get from those other two books, except with, uh, with just a different approach. And the interesting thing about all three of these books is every time I read them, I pick up something new because every, at every stage of your painting career, um, you have internalized certain things and now you're ready to hear something else Mm -hmm. before it didn't make sense. Now, suddenly it does. So they, they end up being reference books that you can come back to over and over and over again and still get something out of them and re-remind yourself of the reason why those early paintings are so much more interesting. Than some of the ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll definitely have to check those out. All right, Mark, you ready for the final question? Oh, my God. Sure. <laughs> All right. If you had to give a 10 minute TED talk on any topic you wanted, anything you want to, what would it be on? Hmm. You know, I've, I've thought long and hard about this and come up with nothing except uh, nothing specific. And uh, I would love to talk about Evangelion, uh, mainly because and, and this sort of ties into something else you had mentioned, um, which is is foreign influences. Um, I was I was living in Colorado. I was painting um, and uh, and a friend of mine forced me to watch an anime show, which I had never seen. I, I had never seen any anime shows. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the very first show just kind of blew me away. It was something I had never seen before. It wasn't just the anime style um, per se, but it was camera angles. It was content. It was the way that they used motion. Uh, There was just a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. that I was not at all familiar with. And uh, this was back in the era when we had to wait for our VHS tapes to be shipped from, from, uh, from Japan. Oh, so wow. I could see three episodes, and then I was going to have to wa- wait two months for the next three episodes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so to watch one season of that took a long time. Um, and, yeah, and it, it was kind of a life-changing experience from a, from a graphic design standpoint and from the way that I, I thought about painting so i did i did in fact end up doing a series of paintings about that um using that imagery uh which which ended up tying into a lot of things one of the things that i did with those paintings was uh, i really wanted to do a series of large pieces i didn't want to have a copyright infringement problem so i wrote them in japan and had the letter translated into japanese uh asking for permission to use their characters 
uh, in a series of fine artworks. I wasn't going to sell prints. I wasn't going to do any of those kinds of things. There's very little commercial element in here. This is really designed for, for exhibitions. And they were so nice. They wrote a nice letter back, which, of course, I also had to pay to translate because it was in Japanese. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but kindly gave me the rights to use anything from the from the show that I wanted to uh, in, in my paintings. So that kind of freed me up to do a series of, I probably did five or six, maybe seven of these paintings. Uh, and they were great fun. And, and I got to, and I got to play not only with the, the interesting part about the paintings was I did not want them to be related to the show so directly that someone that didn't know the show wouldn't understand them. Mm-hmm. They were, they were there because those characters were uh, kind of universal avatars and I was doing some weird stuff with them where I was playing around with the flatness of those images, binding it with the, with a very typical three-dimensional classical painting, and trying to build a synthesis that would say something emotionally, look like it lived in the same world, in spite of the fact that source materials were dramatically different, and they were dramatically different on the canvas as well. So those paintings were really... Hello? Unique. Are you still there? Oh yeah, there you are. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, I okay. got you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no problem. You no got problem. Because hey, I've almost done ten minutes TED talk already. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I was going to ask you. Is like, did you have you seen any uh, other my, anime? My Evangelion series. What was that? I'm sorry. I think I would probably do. I, I would might well talk about the experience of doing that Evangelion series and kind of what it, what it meant to me as an artist and. Um, and what it meant to me uh, uh, in terms of just learning new things about this culture that I knew very little about. Do you watch any other anime series now since it has yeah, such an impact uh, on you? I, I pretty much stopped, but yeah, I've watched, I've watched my share. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've watched quite a few. I, I went to a lot of anime conventions. I took my daughter to many, many conventions, which is great. This is one of the things that we, that, that we sort of shared is that currently she's teaching um, English in Japan. Oh, awesome. so, so you totally internalize this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, realistically, I'm, I'm watching almost no television at all. I'm just very, very limited in terms of time. So I, I can, I can tell you some old ones that were really fun though. <laughs> if, if you want recommendations for ancient stuff, I'm, I'm there for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. When I come to that class, I'm definitely just going to come out like, all right, what's the list? I have my pen and pad. Go ahead. Just go ahead and knock them out on me. See if I can find them on Crunchyroll or something. But <laughs> all right, Mark, tell people where uh, people can find you online or wherever. Oh, you yeah, I'm still there. Oh. Your microphone uh, went. There you are. Hey, there you are. Keep talking. Okay, keeping Something talking. Something weird happened. Okay, I'm still keeping and talking, and it's all good. No worries. Wait, wait. Holla, holla, holla. Oh, my God. The headphones, the headphones just started working for no particular reason. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> so it's so now I can hear you very clearly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the end now. now we're yeah, we're at the end. Where, where can people find you, Mark? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, um, I'm changing my website, but uh, this one will still probably be up for a month or two. It's uh, but um, actually, the easiest place to find me is in, is probably on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's Mark Milks, M I L T Z, uh, and I'm pretty easy to find. There are very few Milkses. 
Uh, and in terms of my webpage, uh, that would be um, Miltz, M-I-L-T-Z, fineart.com. And you don't have the Instagram or anything like that yet, do you? Yet. You know, you know, you know I do, but I, you know, <laughs> I have no idea how to, how to direct you there. Look for Miltz. It'll show up there too, probably. But I don't really post on there religiously at all. But keep trotting me. I'm, you know, someday I'm going to have to. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, most definitely. You help me with the whole figure drawing and all that kind of stuff, you know, once a week. And then I can help you with your Instagram, no problem. Cool. And by the way, you can always find me on Tuesday nights at Norfolk State. Yes, for sure. <laughs> what time? What time and in what building at Norfolk State? Oh, what, that's, oh, that that runs from 7 until 9.30, unless it's painting night, which is the first, uh, the first Tuesday of the month, which next Tuesday is. And that runs from 7 until 10. And if you're showing up on painting night, get there early. There are lots of people with easels. <laughs> Do you have to bring your own materials? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Whatever bring, you want, you, you got to bring it. Bring your easel, bring your uh, uh, pad or canvas or whatever have you, all that kind of jazz. And um, and there's no yeah, side spots. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 chairs. There's some of those uh, horses that you can use, uh, yeah. but that pretty much is it. Your own paper, your own materials, bring all your own stuff. There are, there are three or four easels most of the time, um, but one of them is reserved for me because <laughs> I really can't trust sitting down. Yeah. None of that's true. They're not reserved for me. If you get there first, I will just bitterly complain. <laughs> <laughs> and what building is it in Norfolk, at Norfolk State? It, it's uh, it's the Ham Fine Arts Building, but the best thing to do there as well is go to a, go to Norfolk Drawing Group's Facebook page. There are maps, all the rules and regulations and costs and all of that stuff is is right there. You can print out a map, uh, and as you drive into the gate, you just tell the guy you're there for Drawing Group. He'll hand you a little flip, a little uh, um, sheet of paper to stick on your dash, and okay. and you're you're in there. All right, great. So the what? you say what's the, what's the group on Facebook called again? Uh, Norfolk Drawing Group. Yeah, yeah, straight to the point. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. All right, Mark, don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you a little bit more, but thank you so very much. This was a fantastic conversation. It went on longer than I expected it to. Yeah, I apologize for that. No, <laughs> I was into it. I love it. I love it. It was fantastic. Don't go anywhere, okay? Okay, talk to you soon. Okay. And that's the end of this interview, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. And a few things before you take off. If you want any more information about Mark, that information will be linked down in the show notes. If you want to keep up with everything we're doing on the AIGA side of things, events, competitions, meetups we coordinate, other interviews we'll be doing, etc., you can find out about all of this on our Instagram, Facebook, and our new and improved website. Our Instagram is at AIGAHR. Our Facebook pages are AIGA Hampton Roads and HRVA Creatives. And our website is hamptonroads.aiga.org. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to us through, please subscribe. We have more interviews coming down the pipeline that'll be published as often as possible. Thank you again for listening. This is the Creative Hive powered by AIGA Hampton Roads, and we'll see you next episode.